And by the way, I checked out your mixtape, and it's great. I know, it's fire, right? <laughs> but, uh... Get to the point. Point being... We're gonna work down it. We take what we want and leave the rest. All culminating in me releasing my summer playlist. Great compilation tape. You could tell a lot about a person by what's on their playlist. So, um, what are you listening to? Uh, music. But tell me, do you enjoy music? What kind of music do you usually have here? There's a genre. Neutral. So, do you like stuff? Hey, this is Ducky here to welcome you to Genre Neutral, the only podcast dedicated to prospecting gems from the vast and mystical frontier we call music. From Brooklyn bass to Afro punk, we absorb sound and reverberate only the dopest. Back to you, the listener. This episode, we got Anton and Ducky interviewing Scribes, a native Seattle rapper who is now relocated to sunny Los Angeles. We are touching base with him to see how his career has evolved and uh, if there's any other projects he might be working on. Heyo. Hey, what's up, guys? Can you hear me? Yes, yep. indeed. How's it going, man? Oh, man, chilling. How you guys doing? Oh, pretty, pretty damn good, I guess, for the circumstances. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah. Man, yeah, it's been a long time, dude. Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you, bro. How you been? Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Hanging out in the basement, so my basement. <laughs> oh, man, that's a trip. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, if you're ready, we can dive right in. We'll just start going. I mean, I always like to start with my classic question. What music are you listening to today? Man, I listen to a lot of older music, to be honest. Um, like I'll, uh, I'll listen to a lot of soul music, R&B music from the 80s, 70s. 90s no yeah um, so i, I kind of i'm a little bit I, i'd say i'm a little bit frozen in that era but then i'll still you know listen to more contemporary artists like her or um right on you know artists like that any particular artists from this 70s or 80s era that sticking out to you today i mean really legendary artists like um anita baker stevie wonder shaka khan uh, bobby caldwell the whispers artists kind of in, oh, in right on. and then lately uh, lately actually i've been listening to like uh during covid which i kind of always listen to but like a lot of dj quick and zap very cool well since you are keeping it old school and classic well let's start with some questions on like how did you get introduced to hip-hop i mean i guess rapping was always kind of like a thing when i was like a kid but i, I wasn't too like aware of it until like um i remember i was probably in like third grade maybe it was around the time of uh biggie smalls murder i remember my friend's mom was like explaining to me like the murders and played me um some songs off of all eyes on me and then um played a song played the song um you wonder why they call you bitch oh, i remember wow, just, nice <laughs> you know what i mean and it was probably 19... You were in third grade? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Damn. <laughs> I think, because Biggie was killed in 97, I believe. Yeah. So, um, I think it was uh, around, yeah, 97. And then I I, um, I just remember it was just kind of, like, interesting to me, because I think I've always had sort of um, a fascination with race in America. 
always had like a fascination with um, the civil rights movement and things like that. And so I didn't really know about hip hop at that period in time. So to like hear a record like Wonder Why They Call You Bitch was kind of crazy, like just based on what I knew about the civil rights movement and, and kind of like, I was like, I kind of got to fill in all the gaps between, you know, the civil rights movement and what's happening now or what's happening right now. So I don't know, it just sparked a fascination. And then from then on, I just I remember uh, listening to rap, rap records and stuff like that. Awesome. That, that was a good introduction. Outside of music, was there anything else, maybe books, that inspired you to creatively with rap and hip hop? I mean, yeah, because I grew up listening to hip hop. I had gone to a private school for elementary school, and then I went to uh, Hamilton Middle School, which is kind of like, I don't know, y'all from shit. Seattle, so you guys know, <laughs> but it, it was like a very, very diverse middle school. It was also kind of like, some people might say it's kind of a tough middle school. So I was kind of around that culture anyways. But I remember when I got to about, you know, freshman year high school, sophomore year high school, being very, very politically um, inclined and just feeling a lot of frustration at that point in time. Like that was, um, you know, the, the Bush era. Yeah. Um, so for me, I was just looking for a, a outlet to be able to express myself and you know, Muhammad Ali was like a major influence for me or whatever at that point in time. So, you know, not only like his boxing, because I grew up boxing too, but also just like the his his political like point, of, not just point of view, I guess, just his presence. Yeah. Um, we did a very good job of using his platform for good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a lot of things like, like initially it was polit like politics. I wanted to have a platform to be able to express myself that really got me into um into actually wanting to rap you know that's very cool yeah. i like hearing things like that you know yeah. what you weren't just in it for the bling or whatever like some people nowadays nah, nah. no <laughs> well I mean, um yeah. how, about, how about you give us a little like backstory on on scribes and like you're coming up in the seattle hip-hop well yeah so um I guess high school age, I started recording records in um, just really with the homies, like in their bedrooms and stuff like that. Not nothing really that official. And then, you know, as we start to learn more and whatever, we, um, we improve our equipment and improve the production overall uh, production value, stuff like that. You know, I, I was very much just like, you know, in the, the Seattle network of public school kids that just, you know, new, new people across Seattle and stuff. So like your name kind of just gets out there a little bit naturally just from being in that network. I didn't end up going to school after high school. So really at that point, it was kind of like um, sit at home and, you know, watch, you know, stare at boxes full of CDs. Cause I, cause I put out a, a record or whatever when I was around 18, but um, it was really either around and just look at your box all these boxes full of pressed up cds or get out on the street and hustle and stuff like that so for me the street hustle was was big like not selling drugs and stuff like that but like yeah. selling selling cds on the street going to festivals um and um and yeah that that was 
it was crazy uh, just to be able to network with all those artists and be around all those artists and stuff because Seattle kind of had its thing that was like bubbling at that time. And I think a lot of it had to do with people being so politically charged up um, during that era. But you know, you had uh, um, local artists like um, Blue Scholars, obviously. And and um, every year it was like more artists came out the came out the woodwork or just were present but there yeah. was like eventually you had common market and um, Ooh, nice uh so your first album it was called okay. uh sleepwalker right or something like that it's called uh sleepwalk yeah. yeah yeah sleepwalk yeah sleepwalk yeah i remember that being pretty good yeah. and so yeah you're working so yeah who else you, you mentioned uh who so who else we, might you been working with back in the day that we might know right now like saul definitely um well yeah i mean saul and me went to high school together um, so we kind of had our own little like creative movement going on and various like Philharmonic people from our um, oh, our, nice. our schools and stuff but then I was recording Sleepwalk at that time with Macmore um, oh. yeah so uh, and at the time you know he was just kind of he wasn't really like the Macmore you know now at least as far as like obviously how big he is he was just kind of like um, an, an underground artist probably he was, he was one of the bigger artists in the city but he was he was just like a kind of like hieroglyphics brother ali mm. kind of cat because you had all yeah. those movements going on too like you had obviously all of the artists from la and the bay area so like everything from like living legends and uh and project blow type of cats to like i mean grouch was in the living legends too but like uh bay area artists like that and zion i doing their thing and then you had east coast artists like immortal technique and you know um the atmosphere thing so that underground thing was very was like was definitely probably the most popular hip-hop within the city of seattle itself at that time you had other other things going on too obviously in hip-hop um but seattle definitely had an emphasis on like kind of like the underground um network or underground scene definitely um didn't yeah. you you I, if i remember correctly didn't you do a track with blue scholars dj like dj sabzi uh, sabzi yeah. i don't know if, i've never done the track with sabzi i don't think but me oh. and geo the rapper from blue scholars at one point did a, a me and him i think and saul randomly did a song together at, at one point in time like um it wasn't. It wasn't like an, an, a real epic song or anything. I think it was. I was, it was on this, this producer named Jack the Ripper. It was on his his album, and I think you know it was one of his lead singles on his album. And it was a cool track that we did, but uh, it wasn't like on a Blue Scholars record or nothing like uh, that. Right on. Yeah. Do Do you want to talk about? I I remember you got you did an album with Zumbi right from Zionai, and that didn't work out. Right. Well, nah. Me, me and him, we didn't ever do an album together. I just like worked with him on a number of shows so at one okay. point i felt like i started to like um just be in contact with their management a fair amount and then like um i i'd opened up for them a few times and then at one point i flew up zumbi to seattle to uh to, to the Vera project i was there yeah yeah the Vera project um so there was like that and then uh another time i, I kind of connected them to a, a promoter in bellingham and brought them up and then I 
Oh, oh, I went on, I went on tour with them actually. I went on tour. This was later on down the line. It was like just before I was leaving Seattle, but I went on tour with, um, with, uh, Zion, I grouch Eli, and then, um, evidence from dilated peoples. So, Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah, that's, that's, it was pretty like a, a highlight of my career for sure. Right on. Yeah. That sounds very notable. Yeah. For the autobiography one day. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Well, what are your, what are some of your like favorite all time, like Seattle groups or rappers? That's a big question. Um, Seattle artists. Well, I obviously got to shout out Pearl Jam just because nice. they showed me a lot of love too. Oh, and, really? Yeah. And so like Pearl Jam, Nirvana, grunge era artists like that, I got to, I got to shout them out. I would say there's an artist named Framework who probably put out one of my favorite hip hop albums in Seattle. Uh, it's called Hello World. You know, obviously I got, you know, my peoples and artists that I've collaborated with like um, Lizzy Soprano and Javi Blaze, Ray Dalton, Camila. Um, but then growing up, that first Blue Scholars record, I remember fucking playing that heavy. Um, Definitely. Jake One, I think has made a lot of dope music for the years. Do you do you do you ever grow up carrying like Source of Labor or Vitamin D? Anybody oh yeah, like vitamin Vitamin D, yeah for yeah. sure. Cool. I mean, legend legendary producer stuff like that, man. Like, yeah, he produced he probably produced a lot of shit. I don't even know it's necessarily Vitamin D, but like I saw because I remember he, uh, you know, Black Alicious Gift of Gab. Oh yeah. Like I think that they recorded or he recorded that album. Uh, what is it? Fourth Dimensional Rocket Ships. Oh, really? Vitamin D produced that. I think, well, I don't know if he produced all of it, but I believe he recorded that in Seattle at with Vitamin D. Well, that explains why that's one of my favorite albums by him. Shit. That yeah, shit was so. epic. <laughs> yeah, man. There were so many artists that was making records and doing shows. Like, uh, Obviously, you had like Common Market, Gabriel Teodros, and, and those guys. And then you had like Greaves was doing his thing. and So you mentioned Rhyme Sayers earlier. Yeah. And now you just met mentioned Greaves. Greaves signed to Rhymesayer, didn't he? Yeah, he did, he did. Do you think that was like a good move on him? Or, I mean, I'm not trying to start any beef here or anything, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, no, I mean, um, Greaves, yeah, no, I mean, Greaves is the homie. And I remember talking to him about kind of his experience, like working towards that. I mean, I think for him, it, it totally makes sense, you know? What was, I mean, it was crazy even when I moved to LA is like, Greaves is one of the names people would mention when it came to like artists that people knew from Seattle. Oh, wow. So like, and another artist, which is a Rhyme Sayers artist that I'd hear a lot when I moved to LA, who I worked with was, is Grayskull. Like I worked with JFK. Oh yeah. So Grayskull, they were signed to Rhyme Sayers. So, I mean, I think it just depends on what, what you want and what you're into. Like, cause Rhyme Sayers has, has created a ton of dope music over the years, you know? Yeah. Um, it just, I think it just matters like what you're, what you're looking to do. And I, I mean, I remember even talking to Greaves about it and, and he was telling me about his come up or his, his grind or like when he was like, he had moved, he had literally, I think he moved out of Seattle, maybe to New York or something like that. But he kind of went on like this rough spree, I think of trying to do all these shows wherever he could do them across the country. Like really just paying dues in any way possible, trying to like get out on the road or get involved with artists and stuff like that. And eventually he worked his way up, you know, to getting uh, an agent and eventually got that that deal. 
and just knowing I think what the type of music he listened to you know where he would perform at and what he was into I think it was like it was like you know hell yeah like that's that's a adult place to be at and I think it gave him probably a ton more exposure you'd have to ask him about that personally yeah I don't know just just as far as for me I remember him and me even said I was just like well what about it was probably 2011 I was like what about artists like ASAP Rocky or artists like Kanye West, Jay-Z, J. Cole, Nipsey Hussle, YG, like all these artists, this is what I was listening to. And he's like, he's like, you know, I'll be honest, like I'm kind of in a different, I, I hope he's not mad at me for saying some shit like this, but he, but he was kind of like, well, I'm kind of in a different thing. And I was like, you know, I get it. Like I kind of got my eyes set on different sites. Um, so what, what made you want to move to LA? Man, that's a big question. I, I guess, <laughs> um, Seattle is, um, Seattle, making music there was dope and everything. Um, and I think looking back, um, I didn't always appreciate how great the experience was making music and how much there was an emphasis on the arts in Seattle, especially after living in LA. Um, but at the same time, certain things were very, very frustrating about being an artist, making music in Seattle. I think I felt, I don't want to say I was like a, the black sheep or whatever, but I felt like as far as like the underground, the underground scene and everything goes, like I came up around that scene a lot and I learned how to rap around that scene, but I don't think that was necessarily my initial, um, it, it, it's it, I, like, it holds a place in my heart and it was part of my experience, but I don't think that's like what my initial first love of hip hop was. Like, I think my, my first love when it comes to hip hop was like, wanting to make a difference in the community and also um, artists that was probably more popular in other parts of the country in different demographics. Um, and I, and I've I seen a lot of the artists that were doing shit in LA that were influencing me at the time, like 2012, around that time, 2011, was when I like came down here and it was like, man, a lot of the artists in LA that was doing shit was like a lot of my favorite artists, like um, Nipsey Hussle, YG, yeah. you know, um, you were the one that told me about Nipsey Hussle. I remember I that really? you hit me up and you were like, dude, you got to check this guy out. Okay. Okay. And yeah, I was like, sure, Oh, a word. Okay. <laughs> and I was sold yeah. immediately. Oh, that's what's up, bro. Yeah. Yeah. So give yourself a victory lap. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I, I see what you did there. <laughs> um, well, hell yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, Nipsey was definitely an influence at that time. I mean, that's the thing is like, like again, the underground like has a place in my heart, but like the kids I grew up with or the people I grew up around, that's not what my peers or my a lot of my closer friends were necessarily on or what we was listening to. And so when I looked at the top artists at that time and where I was trying to go, I was just like, damn, like, I don't, no disrespect to Rhyme Sayers, but I didn't know if I was like trying to get, work towards getting a deal with Rhyme Sayers necessarily, you know what I mean? Like I was more thinking like, I'm, I'm a little bit more inspired by like, you know, what cats are doing in LA right now. Um, and um, so, yeah, so I, I, I made them move down or whatever. And, yeah. And, and, and also a lot of it wasn't what's wrong with Seattle. Like um, a lot of it was just like going to LA and being like, whoa, this is really, really different and just being like inspired. Yeah, nice. It was an opportunity to evolve even further. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And learn a new way of hustling or the new yeah. grind. 
yeah, to try. It was it was a whole whole new chapter. Potentially, could be a whole new chapter of life, and I wanted to see what that was about. So you mentioned community. Have you seen any impacts of your music on the community or the communities around you? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know, bro. Because I mean, it's been it's been rough since I've been been out here. So I don't feel. It's not to say my music isn't making an impact right now because it's making more of an impact. It's been making more and more of an impact like every day for like the last two or three years, you know. But it's good to hear. Um, but it's definitely not where I want it to be. And the first four or five years in LA, bro, they were they were pretty rough. And I don't I didn't feel like I mean I, I wasn't I didn't put out music. I, I wasn't really like. It, it, it was tough. It was tough. So um, when I was back in Washington, it was um, I feel like very in touch with like people in the sense that I would just be out in the street grinding. I would be like, you know, doing shows for tons of people. I could see it affecting people. I could see like crowds and people responding to my shit. So it was like, you know, it, it was it was very, very active and like bubbling and stuff like that. Um, and so that was that was a big thing. So as much as I was in touch with people, like in touch with audiences and, and grinding and doing my thing and performing and stuff like that, it could be a little frustrating at times, you know, being up there at Capitol Hill, like doing a show at wherever or, you know, being downtown or Fremont or wherever you're doing it. And it's just like performing to, to people. It doesn't always look like the peers I necessarily grew up, grew up around or the reason I fell in love with hip hop. And knowing also too that sometimes they controlled certain things in the city, and uh. the, and who gets put on and certain like creative decisions. So again, it's it's like a lot of them were some of the great the people who had the best intentions and stuff like that. But it just it just comes along created a weird chemistry. Well, do you feel like you've sort of found or settled in in a good place in LA now? A lot of people have this idea that LA is like really glamorous and <laughs> <laughs> I definitely <laughs> thought that <laughs> you know? and I think don't get me wrong there's a there's a definitely a side of it that's very glamorous but um it's uh, people are, it's very not glamorous uh <laughs> simultaneously I don't know what, what your experience was but I'm assuming that you could relate to some of it oh yeah I, I can relate to a lot of it I mean there's genuine people, there's fake people, there's people that just want to take advantage of your skill set or your talent or your client base or whatever. But I would say I did meet some very cool people in yeah. LA that definitely helped keep me creatively connected and, you know, hopeful. Yeah. But, you know, everything runs its course at some point. Yeah, no, I feel that. Being now that we're on current events, uh, Okay. What are some of the what are what are some of the projects you're working on now? Well, so once once COVID hit, I was just like, oh shit, like I just gotta sit my ass at home now. All right, like perfect excuse just to like work on music. So I just been um, working on the album. Like my brother, my younger brother moved down here. Um, I think two years ago. It could have been three. Oh, um, cool. yeah. So so we lived together and in a apartment with a bunch of roommates and he makes beats um, uh, so jackson i went to high school with him what does he go by oh yeah yeah, yeah. 
Um, what, when did did you you and him graduate the same year? I think so, 2010. Yeah. Uh, you asked what his name, what his producer name is. Yeah, what's his producer name? Yeah. Uh, he, he goes by Jack City, and on okay. Instagram, I think it's Jack City Beats. Okay. Cool. Yeah, bro. So he he make is making beats or whatever in the next room, and I just been like over here working on working on music. Hopefully, just I, I'm I would like to be able to finish an actual full length album or project. You know. Very cool. So two yeah, just, dope brothers working on an album, two dope brothers working on a podcast. I mean, yeah. just just to bring up some old friends, Reed and Mac are also, they work in the same room together, but they're engineers. So two oh, dope really? brothers engineering together. Yeah. All the oh brothers God, linked that's up. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a trip. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Do you have any collabs in mind or artists you're working with on this as well? Man, that's a good question. Uh, that's kind of, it's, it's sort of still a question mark that I've been like, I know that I need to get some more artists involved. Like right now, there's an artist, she's she's like a, um, she's just our, basically like our homegirl who's like also a singer. Her name's Miss Vanity Rose. So she's working on a song, she's a singer. But outside of that, I was just like, I don't know. Are you still taking like the political route with your music? It's an interesting question. Like, uh, you know, right now it's fucking crazy. And there's a lot of well, that's why I asked because setting things, you know, it's, it's, it's been interesting. Like, uh, we'll see what ends up happening, but like, it's, it's sometimes a little bit intimidating or it just seems like it's so big. It's, um, there's so much going on and there's so many people having so many different experiences, especially when it comes to COVID. So that it's, it's been, I'm like a, a little bit hesitant to, to write songs about some of the current issues just because people have are having are responding to covid so differently everybody's having a, a like different experience um things change so dr drastically from week to week um covid and like even politics but then it's like i also feel like there's a lot of things that are are frustrating happening right now um obviously tonight's a, a, a political night and um you know we'll, we'll see what's what what happens next but um you know obviously even whatever happens with the election change i think a lot of artists perspectives or what kind of angle they take when they're like creating albums and records and stuff like that you know because hmm. one more years of trump or whatever is uh, some shit so <laughs> it always just sounds like grumbling it's always <laughs> a lot of mumbling like i don't know what to say but it's shitty as fuck and stuff yeah yeah right we got you so yeah here's a question that we definitely should ask you could you have ever imagined your life without hip-hop man I, I i i don't know i don't know where what i'd be doing um i mean obviously the other thing i wanted to do was be a boxer but i feel like as a as a young person i always I mean, hip hop, like I love hip hop and hip hop is like my main focus. It's the thing I've done for the longest. So it's what I care about the most. But if it wasn't hip hop, it could have been anything else. Like for me, it was just a matter of looking for something to give me a platform, something uh -huh. to be able to express like my voice. So it was like the nature of who I am is like, even since I was a little kid, for me, it was sports. So I always was playing sports or, or doing something that I thought was going to give me a platform to be able to make some kind of impact um or to just you know be be involved in some way and and hip-hop was just the one that came to me and i stuck with and, and i probably felt was the most i don't know realistic or or maybe i was just most passionate about it yeah um 
So, so I mean, we we got some I'm, good stuff I'm, here. If you want to chat, I mean, we can talk about how I used to sell you weed. We can talk about how I showed up to your music video in Hollywood. Like, we can talk about whatever you want. Well, I don't know what how you knew what it is from your perspective, but I mean, I that that was the one at the at the pool or whatever. Yeah, the, the pool the party. God, that was ridiculous. It was pretty ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I showed up like halfway through it, and it was it was pretty it was clowning, but, but in a good way. Think? But you guys you guys were in your own like music video world, so I just yeah. remember like lounging on the chair, just watching it all unfold and sipping yeah. on a beer. Yeah. And you looked very stressed. That's all I remember. Bro, those music videos were incredibly stressful because <laughs> I didn't know anybody. Like, I mean, I, I knew people in LA, but I didn't know enough people to be able to like find a good videographer, like get a, 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 a experience together that felt like not only would it work, but it felt like authentic to my story. Like if I did a video in Seattle, I'd have my homies there. I go to a certain neighborhood. I knew exactly what I was representing or what I was like putting out there. In LA, yeah. I'd just gotten there. I didn't have that kind of confidence. Shit would just get fucking crazy. You know what I mean? Like the parties were just like super crazy. And I'm just trying to make sure that we actually get shots, the, the actual shots that we need. You know what I mean? Yeah. But there's like just girls just like kissing each other, like dudes fucking like doing backflips, like yeah. into the pool, like hitting their head and shit. Yeah, and, I like, definitely remember all that happening. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? And like, so, well, yeah, yeah, I remember that day. I, I felt kind of bad for you because you were, I could tell you were trying to be so professional and like yeah. get it done and make it happen. And everyone's just wiling out. Yeah. And I just show up hella stone, like, yeah, I'm here to be supportive. Yeah. And you didn't need any of my support. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> so I just enjoy getting drunk and watching, you know, girls, Instagram girls act hella silly. Down there in LA, is there like a, a dream uh, record label you would like to work with or that's a good question bro like I, I struggle with that all the time I, I've been independent for so long like I think it would be perfectly logical for me to probably sign with a label if the opportunity came about yeah LA got its underground thing so I'm not sure if I really fit fit fully into that like people like have um, still doing it after project load oh um, yeah you know what I mean they, um, they still all hang out at the airliner and everything? The airliner, yeah. I think the airliner got shut down because of some Me Too shit for a while. Oh, shit, really? Because yeah. I used to go there like once a month and Project Bode was there in full force every time. Yeah, all those guys would, would go over to the airliner and they had the low-end theory and stuff like that. Yeah, that's what it was called, low-end theory. Yeah. Low-end theory. I went there with you one time, bro. Yeah, um, for sure. Cause I think LP was there. And I think, I swear Grouch performed. I just like gone off yeah little tour small little tour i done with like grouch and those guys so la got this, this whole thing going on there and again it's like kind of dear to my heart but i don't know if it defines me exactly it all they also kind of have um what's the other label um peanut butter wolf's label um oh stone's throw stone's throw yeah that, that that uh thing and, and it seemed like freddie gibbs has like done some dope shit with mad lib over the years but uh i don't know i just want to create a really dope body of work and do something that's like really dope and authentic to me and kind of like get my creativity out there. Like really I'm working on this album and I want to like get around the city and see what kind of marketing opportunities or what platforms or things are out there for me. Like I don't, the, the, the majors kind of fucking scare me a little bit. Major record deal could be dope, but it could be really not dope too. 
Yeah. Well, and I imagine they take they, they take over immediately. You lose control of just about everything. Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on what your situation is, but I think that that that's the biggest thing is the you tending to lose control. So besides so. writing and working on more music, is there any other hobbies you've picked up? Randomly, me and my brothers are playing dominoes all the time. So nice, heck yeah, I miss some yeah. dominoes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's been great talking with you. Uh, great catching up over the over your career and stuff. And good hearing yeah. about your your projects that you're working on now. We're excited to hear this new album coming out after COVID, honestly, or whenever, you know. Right. <laughs> oh yeah, man, no doubt. If you want, if you want to plug any of your like social platforms, go ahead and oh. let loose right here. I guess um, Instagram. That's probably where I, I, I post. I write a ton of content and verses, or at least I was. Once I started doing the album, I haven't been as much, but go to my Instagram. It's just Scribes, S-C-R-I-B-E-S. I'm on all platforms, Spotify, iTunes, everything else. Yeah, man, uh, you find me on anything, so. Nice. Good answer. I'm going to look you up on LinkedIn later. Oh, shit. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm on there, too. <laughs> For all the professional shotties. Yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely like struggle with my LinkedIn. Um, uh, what, what would the word be? It's like a pseudo resume kind of. Yeah, it is like a pseudo a pseudo resume. Uh, although a lot of places, that's like I feel like if you apply for a job, like that's actually what you might send them. Hmm. Oh yeah, I fucking hate LinkedIn. I can't <laughs> yeah. stand it. But I'm on it like every day, just trying to look for work. It, it definitely makes me question my whole life or I feel like a fucking, <laughs> like I, I've fucked up uh, <laughs> profoundly. Well, go to my LinkedIn. You'll probably feel better because I look like I just fucking wasted the last 10 years of my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think I think for a lot of creative people or like people who've done their own thing or kind of independent people, it's like it can be not like, it doesn't make us look like we shine really. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I even see, like, other rappers that I know, and it's just, I don't know, it's interesting. Well, now you just inspired me to make, like, a creative person's LinkedIn that makes yeah. professionals look like idiots on our... I mean, do they, do, they, <laughs> do people have that? Do people just be like, you know, fucking... Well, so one of my favorite uh, DJs, Da Vinci from Soloquist of Sounds, he's on LinkedIn, and he's got a great LinkedIn just as far as like his references of what, what he's capable of doing, different programs he uses, different shows he's done over the years. Like that's what he lists as kind of the resume part of here's the different oh. shows that I've played, big festivals that I've played. Okay. So he kind of breaks it down of like, I've been doing shit for like 30 years, you know? <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's crazy. Or, not 30. I don't know how old the yeah. guy is. 20 years at least. <laughs> oh, damn. So we're just taking the wrong approach, Scribes. Well, it's like, yeah, yeah you, you've been doing shit. You've been, it's, yeah. Certainly it's not a job that everyone could put on a normal resume, but you've been doing shit. So put on festivals. Put, I'd put Bumper Shoot on there or any kind of fucking big festival like that. Like, yeah. fuck yeah, man. I know. That's what I, that's what I would want to see. Like, if I was checking you out on LinkedIn, I'd be like, what has he been working on? Holy shit. A lot of good shit over the years, you know? Well, I think you got to be clear about, are, are you using your LinkedIn to try to advance yourself within your creative world or are you using it to try to get a job yeah i mean, I mean yeah that good is, point, that is good exactly point. i'm if looking you, for a job but you know. if you're looking for a job you may not want to put certain creative shit on there. right totally like, 
Right. Worked at a dispensary for two years. Yeah. But, but, but I feel like scribes, <laughs> scribes could have a LinkedIn and then Henry could have a LinkedIn, you know? So. Yeah, that's true. That's true too. Yeah. But. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was a great conclusion. Yeah. Word. Fuck. <laughs> that's like a that's like a classic me ending to a conversation. <laughs> Yeah, always hard trying to start, I guess. The first step is shift out of park and just go. But I'm trying to work smart, so I gotta pay attention while I'm trying to spit bars. Shit, it's just another day out here. Kinda broke, trying to find my way out here. It's LA, I wasn't raised out here. But I've been around here for eight or nine years. Sometimes I catch myself reminiscing on old memories, and now it seems so distant. Young, coming up in the 206, hanging out at Northgate, downtown with the click. From Hamilton, Nathan Hale High School, started rapping sometime after 2002. Now it's almost 2021, and I'm still out here, so far from where I come from. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. How I freaked it, freaked it, freaked it. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. How I freaked it, freaked it. That's it for this episode of Genre Neutral, the only podcast that prospects the depths of sound and artistry for dope gems that inspire, connecting you with new cultures, fresh music, and the most hyphy perspectives on life. I'm your host as always, Duckman. Thank you for joining us on this journey. Be sure to check out Genre Neutral on all social platforms.